Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Episode of Vertical Momentum, guys. This is going to be a fun episode. Guys, if you are thinking about getting married, want to get married, stop whatever you're doing. Listen to this podcast before you do anything. Because this young lady that I have on is going to be dropping some serious knowledge and i wish i would talk to her 20 years ago so i wouldn't have went to through through a couple divorces so this is going to be fun uh, first i want to thank our sponsor which is veteran owned um, as you guys know all my um, sponsors are veterans 100 of the time if you're a lady and you love handmade bags hand-tooled leather definitely check out the company called pinkerton.co they actually made my wife a beautiful purse and wallet and it's all handmade and hand sewn so definitely check them out guys this is going to be fun i'm so excited Teresa, how are you today i'm doing amazing how about yourself you know i'm so blessed you know if uh things were going any better i would be twins that's how life is going for me so what's new well What's new is I have started in this podcasting world sharing my gifts of everything going on with being Black married and in the military. And that's actually what the podcast is called. So that's the new thing with me. Okay. So tell us about your podcast because I always like it's all about you. It's never about me. So tell us about your podcast, how long you've been doing it, and what was the reason behind it? So I just launched it on March 31st. So it's been going strong since then. Um, So what started it was actually I was looking to be a guest on a podcast of something along the lines of this. And there wasn't anything like it. So a lot of things would have marriage pieces or life pieces, but that military piece would always be missing. And I was like, is there like nobody (laughs) talking about that military piece. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start something based off of this. And basically what the podcast talks about is what it's like to be in the military, what it's like to be married in the military, and what it's like to be black in the military. And we talk about a wide variety of things on this podcast. And so it's, it's basically creating a space to give people a room to share. It's a safe haven for all us veterans to share our stories, our experiences, and anything like that. I didn't quite find what I was looking for, so I created it instead. Okay, well, I'm two out of the three, so I'm doing pretty good. I'm batting 666% military and married, so uh, I think that's great what you're doing. You know, I just talked to a young lady. Her name is Gianni Verratti, and a lot of people don't realize that when you're in the military, your your wife or your husband is being deployed at the same time. They're just home. And sometimes they got to pick up all the extra work. And, you know, and like if you're a soldier, you, we just have to do our mission. But a lot of times we don't consider the person at home that is taking up all the extra duties that, that we were doing at home. You know what I mean? Yes. Now, are you a military or military spouse? What are you? I'm a Marine Corps veteran, just like my husband. Oh, that's amazing. And I love my Marines. I just got to tell you that. Um, 
even though I'm Army, I love my Marines because I love your guys. You have a special mindset that once a Marine, always a Marine. And I love that mindset. And I want to thank both of you for your service to this great nation. And thank you. And thank you for your service. And one thing I want to say about that is being dual military, people tend to think it's easier. I don't know where that thought process even comes from. That's a whole lot harder because we're both being pulled in the direction of the military. And it's like, okay, our marriage takes hits. If you got children, we had children for parts of it, you know, it's like, okay, where are our children going to go? Because we don't always get to a duty station and have time to meet people. And so, like, the people we know are either back home or all the way far somewhere. So. Now, where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. That's where I grew up. Okay, yeah. I heard you got that, that nice southern southern accent. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from South Carolina, so I heard, I heard some kind of southern twang. Uh, you know, and the funny thing is, like, you, you talk about that. You know, I don't I think it's harder because you both know what it's like to be locked and loaded and you both know know what the dangers are. So I think it it, it is it increases. I don't think it it decreases. I think it, it actually becomes harder knowing what you know, when you guys are getting in full battle rattle, you know, what's going on. So I think it's harder. Yeah, definitely, because, I mean. We got married and like, number one, the next day, my husband got kicked out of the barracks. So we scrambling, trying to find somewhere to stay because it's like, okay, they just going to kick you out. So you're going to kind of like be homeless while serving. That just don't even make sense. So we're doing that. And then like not even a week into marriage, I get sent to train with the 26th Mew, I think at this time. And I had told them ahead of time, you know, hey, although... I'm newly married, could be pregnant because we were not not trying. <laughs> so, you know, and I get there all the way there. We were at like in Indiana and I found out I'm pregnant and I have to finish the whole training. Now, they were able to let me do something different than what I originally thought I would be doing, but which I loved a whole lot better because I, I worked in Intel. So that was amazing. But you know, a week, a weekend, <laughs> a week into marriage, I don't even really get to see my husband because I get TAD and he has to stay. And then when I'm coming back, he gets sent somewhere. So like for that first little part, we really didn't even see each other. Yeah, so um, I'm also going to talk to a, a friend of mine. She has a podcast called The Truths We Hide Behind Podcast. And she's a reti retired uh, lieutenant colonel. And I'm going to have her see if you, if you come on her show. And she was also a military, but also a military spouse at the same time, going through the same things that, you know, same thing that you did. So did you both stay in the military? Did you get out? So we are out now. I got out first. I was the first one to check up deuces because I had my second kid and while everything was great pregnancy-wise, when she was born, like a week after, it, it kind of went downhill. She started having medical issues and stuff that we didn't see coming. And 
while I was still on convalescent leave, you know, I was able to handle it, but like there was no daycare that could take her. Even the CDC's on base couldn't quite take her. There was nowhere. And so I'm at work. And by this time, you know, I'm a sergeant. So I got a great deal of responsibility. I can't focus. And so I get to work and it's like I have duty that same day. It's like they were laying in wait <laughs> for me to come back off maternity leave to put me on duty, which, you know, is a part of my job. So that wasn't bad. But I'm over here stressed out. I'm trying to p- do my duty, you know, be the duty NCO and pump for my daughter and try to make sure my mind is focused on the mission instead of on my daughter, who at this time had an NG feeding tube in. And, you know, while there wasn't a daycare to take her, so a friend had to watch her. So it's like, oh, my God, all of these things. And you it's hard to focus with that kind of thing going on, like at home. And so the reason behind why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate is because of that experience, because I was spiraling and nobody noticed. They just thought, oh, you know, she's still coming to work. She's still is motivated. I was so struggling on the inside. I've never wanted to quit anything in my life. (laughs) But at that point, I was just like, I'm not trying to go to work today. I don't want to go. It just, the passion was gone for me because I'm trying to communicate to my command what's going on. My, my direct supervisors, obviously, trying to communicate to them what's going on. Every day I have to go over them, which they were pretty high ranking. They should have been able to handle it, in my opinion. You, you got the rank. You should be able to handle this. Got to go over them every single time to make sure stuff get done that my daughter gets taken care of. My husband's command don't want to cooperate. They want him to stay there and want the wife to do it all. It's, it's not like they didn't know I was a Marine. They knew, but they were crazy. I always say they're crazy because, I mean, when you have dual military, you should be trying to work with them to make sure they take turns. To one, make sure that the home life is balanced and so that the mission can get accomplished. Not just one other person do it while this person does nothing in relation in relation to the family. So I remember my, I guess, low point where I was like, okay, I'm getting out. I, I didn't really know how I was going to get out. I just was like, either I'm just going to EAS at this 10 year mark or something. I'm going to have to wait a year or something to get out. Cause you know, they have that early year to get out for school. I was like, I don't care. I'll say I'm going to school. I'll go to school for my year or whatever, just to get out of here. But instead my major at the time, and I really have to give him props for this. He found a way for me to get out and keep all my benefits. Cause I mean, I didn't do anything wrong where I needed to be kicked out for dishonorable or anything. So he found a way for me to get out on a hardship. I guess it's the same thing that people get out for when they're pregnant. I wasn't pregnant, so it wasn't that. But my daughter had so many incredible medical things happening happening with her that I was able to get out on a hardship and get an honorable discharge. All my benefits were intact. Nothing, Because, I mean, she had a paper trail, like a huge paper trail in her, like, six months of life. So, you know, I remember going and and just crying in there while I'm 
popping for my daughter and like saying, I can't do this anymore. I, I really do love being a Marine. I really do love the military, but I cannot stay here and just kind of watch my daughter die. I would never be able to handle that mentally. Never. And so for me, I was like, I got to get out of here. I remember texting my husband and saying, I know I worked hard to get the sergeant. I know I'm in the process of working hard to get into MESEP, to be an officer. I just can't do this no more. And I said, and I just left it at that. And, you know, we talked afterwards and I said, I mentally, I, it's, it's enough. I'm at my breaking point now. So that's kind of how I got out. It was a different story with him. But for me, that was my journey. When, sometimes like when we go through family issues, um, it can either drive us closer together or it can um, push us further apart. So, you know, going through, you know, I'm, I try to be a man of God. And that's my, I try every day, but I fail them. Um, but I, I got a feeling about you. I think that you, that you're a believer also. Um, but did you and your husband draw closer together during the struggle with the, with the health, health crisis? Yes. So I am a strong believer and I feel like we all fail. Cause I mean, just biblically it says we have all <laughs> fallen short. So, you know, is you're not alone in that, but I feel during that time, it was so uncertain. One thing I want to say that I'm glad we did in the beginning is we always lived off of, um, my paycheck. We started with mine. Um, I was the lower ranking one. I mean, sometimes. And then like, but he had more time in service. So once we were the same rank, he got paid with dependents and all that. And so I was like, we need to live off of just one paycheck. So that way, if something does happen where one of us gets injured or need to get out or I just leave, we'll be able to stay afloat. So we did that in the beginning before we even had kids. And so during this time where I was getting out, because that was, I guess, one less thing we had to worry about, we were able to draw closer to each other, but also to God. I spent so much time and I, I was always a prayer. I was always a worshiper, but I spent more intentional time because that's important to distinguish the difference. Spending that time with God because I didn't know if my daughter would live or die because it looked so bad. She's alive right now. She's seven, by the way. But thank God. Right. I thank God every day. But I didn't know at the time because there were so many unanswered questions, so many things happening. But we were able to stay grounded because of, because of God. And because we stayed at the altar in church, you know, and we drew closer as a couple because we had lost two kids before. And that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother episode though. But we drew closer in this moment like we never have before because we were just like a united front. We gotta be a united front. We gotta stand together. When you are weak, I need to be able to pull you up. When I'm weak, you need to be able to pull me up. That's partnership. That's marriage. Because everybody likes to think 
it's going to be 100, 100 all the time. Sometimes your spouse may fall to that 50 or 1%, whatever. You got to be strong enough in those times to pull your spouse up. And when you are both weak, that's what God is for. That's where that third strand comes from. He pulls you both up. And so for us, during that time, we were able to just link arms and, and just go for it. And, you know, and, and I love that. And, you know, and I think um, we all have to know our strengths and we have to know our weaknesses. Um, my wife's strength, well, you know, she's my rock. She's my best friend. She's my everything. Um, she saved me. But, um, you know, one thing that she was amazing at was finances. I mean, I mean, when we got together 11 years ago, like my credit score was like 400. I had repossessions, bankruptcies, all that crap. And now, you know, 11 years later, we're living in a half a million dollar home. My credit score is almost up to like 800, 850, all because of her. So sometimes you have to think, okay, you know, this is not my strong point. So I'm going to let you take the lead on certain things, you know, because a lot of times pride gets in the way. And, you know, pride destroys a lot of relationships. So, um, you know, and I'm sure your husband has his strong points and his weak points. And you have your strong points and your weak points. Now, one thing I want to hit on is, you know, like I said, I've been married. This is my third marriage. And the first two times that I got married, the question I asked was, um, you know, not not saying that question, saying that, you know, um, is she good enough for me? And now when I married my bride, I call her my bride, even though it's 11 years. My question was, before we got married, am I the man that she deserves to have? So talk to us about relationships and how to have healthy relationships before you get married. So first, I want to back up to touch on something that you said about calling your wife your bride, even though it's been 11 years. So there's a reason why I'm the military bride strategist instead of like the military wife, you know, strategist Mm -hmm. or the military marriage coach strategist, whatever. So that word bride, the reason why I chose this title, because I really just made it up, is because a lot of people get married and they forget that process leading up to the wedding all the feelings, all the everything. And they forget, you know, once they get into marriage and things get difficult and things get hard, they seem to forget. And so a reason why I used the bride is because I want couples to remember kind of that process and that those feelings and that love and just everything included in that. And so that's why I chose that. Now, as far as healthy relationships, what happens is people don't talk like they should before they get married. They don't have the hard conversations, the hard conversations about money, about sex, about um, just kids, if you're going to have them or not, you know, boundaries. They don't have those type of conversations prior to. And so what happens is when they get married, all these things come up. And so they're wondering like, okay, what happened? And it's because you haven't talked about these things prior to that makes it become an issue. No, and I love that. Now I'm going to, I'm going to drop something for if there's any guys that are listening out there. And this is something that pastor TD Jakes 
taught me when we had a lunch one day. He said, son, if you don't date your wife, another man will. So I'm just throwing that out there, guys. If you want to divorce, proof your marriage, make sure you date your wife. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yes. And, and dating is so important too. you know, everybody thinks about, oh, when I like a person, you know, I'm dating them, I'm pursuing them. You don't stop pursuing because you put a ring on it. Like you don't stop that process. It is continuous. That's how marriages grow. I always say that thriving military marriages or just thriving marriages in general don't just happen. They are cultivated. And they're cultivated because you are still pursuing. You're still pursuing your spouse. You're still dating. You're still making it fun. You're still being playful. Now, obviously, there are times when you need to be serious and have serious discussions, but it shouldn't be 24-7. If your time spent together is never playful or fun, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because I guarantee when you were dating and, you know, trying to figure out if this was the one or not, you were doing all those fun things. And so now because you're married, you're going to stop. You should do it even more so now that you're joined together in oneness. And oneness mm-hmm. is a process. People think, oh, we became one on the wedding day. That's it, the end. No, it's becoming one. They shall become. You're becoming. It's not one and done. Nothing's ever one and done. You know, unless you just plan to have one child or something like that. That's a different story. But becoming one is a process that happens until you each breathe your last. Oh, I am so done with that. And it's funny because you know I've known my wife over 30 years. And now, you know, we now we're on our 11 year mark. Um, and it's funny now we start finishing each other's sentences it's kind of like we could just look at each other from across the room and know what we're thinking and you know and i think that's because we're you know besides being you know her being my bride you know she's my lover she's my friend so talk to us about you know because a lot of people when you know i've seen it all the time and i spent over 20 years in the military and i always see you know a guy will get in the military and you know six months later somebody wants to marry him for his green card. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold, slow down here, hero. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you should try to uh, have a relationship before you get married. So please speak on that. Cause I, we know that I, we've seen it so many times, how many privates all of a sudden join the military, their hometown girl gets married and they're divorced within like six months. Right. So, a little bit a little bit about me and my husband is he saw me and I'm just saying what he's told me over and over again. He saw me and he said he knew immediately he was going to marry me. Now, I didn't get that same feeling at all because I joined the military to get away from where I'm from. And so I joined to make myself better, to have different opportunities. That's what I wanted to do. Wasn't thinking about getting married. Definitely wasn't thinking about having children. And now if you meet me, like you can't tell (laughs) because I'm so passionate about children and marriages. But I mean, 18 years old, I'm not thinking about getting married to nobody. So, you know, we met. He said he knew immediately. My first impression of him was not the same. 
I was just like, okay, he's strange. Let me stay away. But obviously that didn't work because I'm married to him now. But we got married probably almost a year after knowing each other. So, but he was he was ready to get married a whole lot sooner than that. Um, I wasn't because I honestly was scared. I was like, I ain't never been married. I've never really had a relationship relationship. So I was like, this is technically the first real one. And I was like, I, I just didn't see myself getting married. But what got me about my husband is he was not only respectful, he was persistent. He was very sweet and he was genuine. You know, there's some things I knew about him that needed to be squared away, obviously. But I knew that we could build together. I knew that we could work well together. And I knew that besides us loving each other, there was something there that God was going to grow that was outside of the two of us. I didn't quite know what it was because at that time I was a new believer. But I just knew it was something about him. And it's like, I prayed as a teenager, Lord, bring me a real man. And I mean, like, really, real man at like 18, 19, seriously. But (laughs) bring me a real man that would love me as much as I love him. I could say my husband loves me more than I love him. Honestly, I could say that. And, you know, the key is loving God more than you love your spouse. And so during that process, we got to know each other. But I will say, you're not going to know everything about your spouse prior to marriage. And when you get married, you're not going to know everything. Because like on Shrek, you know, it's, it's like an onion and there's layers. And so sometimes things trigger a memory. And they're like, I remember when, you know, or I remember this. When I was growing up, this kind of thing. There will be some things, you know. But you won't know everything. And that's the reason why I talk about still pursuing and still being a student of your spouse, because you're always going to be learning about them. And, you know, that, and that's something that I try to I try to be a student, you know, and I think that one thing that I'm noticing, especially when I go out for dinner um, with my family and, and I watch other a lot of other couples. And they're both sitting together, but they're both on their phones and not even talking to each other. So I think that's one thing that I'm trying to become a better husband at is being present. Um, You know, like when my wife talks to me, even if I am on my phone to look up, put the phone down, look in her eyes and acknowledge when she's talking to me, because I found out that was something that I was very neglectful of. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, for us, and the reason why I teach what I teach is because I know it worked firsthand because we do, you know, and I've seen how it helps other couples. So my husband has a job now. Honestly, it is exactly like it is and it was in the military. We still PCS. We still PCA. He still gets orders. All that jazz. So, yeah. He has a phone, though, from work where he kind of has to be on call. Honestly, I, I, I don't like to say I hate, but I really hate that thing because it, it just is so inconvenient for us. 
But what we do is like when we're sitting down for dinner to eat, it's unplugged unless it's the TV only and we're having movie night. All other electronics go away. And we have designated electronic time for our kids and me for myself because I work from home. So, and if I have to work late and he comes in, I stop what I'm doing and I go all the way from wherever I am to the door to greet him with a kiss and say, hey, how was your day? All of that. The only exception to that is when I'm in the middle of an interview, but I try not to schedule those where I know he would be coming home. So that's what we do. We, we try to do our best to unplug. And when we go to dinner, I leave my phone everywhere. I know he talks about me. He's like, you never know where your phone is. Well, I can't be a slave to my phone. I don't want to be a slave to any electronic anyway. And I like don't have any notifications on my phone. My notifications come to my laptop or my iPad, which are never with me when I'm outside of the house. So, and if it's urgent, somebody will call me or call my husband. So for me, that's a boundary because I never want to get so distracted on an electronic that I miss the greatest moment of my marriage or just with my husband and kids, our family. So I love it, love it, love it. Love it. So what are some of the biggest um, things that come up when you start talking to um, brides about getting married and being a, a military military bride? What are like the top three things, the th- top three problems that you deal with on a consistent basis? So just to clarify, I deal with people who are newly married all the way up to being married longer than me. I've been married for 13 years. Um, feels like longer than that. <laughs> you can attest to this probably. It feels like it's been longer than that, but I deal with marriages from everywhere. I've seen marriages beyond the highest heights and those who are in the deepest trenches. And some of the things I see that are common is communication is all jacked up. That's like the top thing. And communication is the foundation for everything else. So if that's jacked up, your money going to be messed up, sex going to be messed up, everything else. You know, you're communicating about your scheduling, your routine. That's all going to be messed up because communication is the foundation for everything else. So communication is something I see that that is messed up all the time, all the time. You know, and I say that's the number one thing because it 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 be communication. So if a wife is saying or husband is saying, hey, in the bedroom, I'd like this particular thing or I would not like that's communication. If the other person is not listening or adhering to that, their communication is jacked up or they're not receiving it in the proper way. So that's communication. And that's that's what needs to be fixed to rectify this thing. So our sex life is messed up because communication is messed up. So I believe everything else is secondary to that communication piece. So, and I use sex as an example, cause that's, that's another thing I always hear. People are having trouble in the bedroom, the wife or the husband, cause it's not always wives don't feel comfortable communicating their needs or even their wants. And it's because most times there hasn't been security put there for the other spouse to be able to feel like they can say whatever they want under the sun to their spouse. That's a problem. And what it is 
grounded in communication being messed up. So when you are telling your spouse, hey, I want this, or hey, I don't like this, or I don't want this again because it triggers something in me that is not great, the other partner needs to be able to hear that, not take it personally, because obviously it's not about them in that moment, and they should be able to work on that together. So communication, sex, finances. So I was finance in the Marine Corps. So I know a lot of federal regulations when it comes to money and how it's supposed to operate just in general, in every branch. So, and it's funny because I'm like, I've been out for probably going on seven years and people still call me, message me to ask me questions. Half of the time, I don't know, but I know where to look. And I guess that is my saving grace, I guess, to be able to help people out. But those are the three things. Communication, sex, finances are like the top three issues I see all the time. But like I said, it's the communication because it's the foundation for everything else. Also, too, just to touch back on creating a safe haven for your spouse, it shouldn't be conditional. It shouldn't be. Make it safe here for my husband because he don't do it for me. He may not know how to do that, but I know how to do that. So I'm going to do it because I know how to do that. And then if I need my husband to do something for me, I'm going to say, because I pride myself on being a communicator because I love to talk. I really do. So I'm going to say, hey, in order to make this a safe space or a stress-free place for me, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And I need you to be on top of that. And when he's not gently, not nagging, gently reminding, hey, I told you this is what I needed. You agreed that you would work on it and help me out and like, you know, do it. I need you to not forget because when you forget, things fall through the cracks and then I end up being stressed out. So also make sure that you're not making things conditional because like I said, I'm a believer in that. I believe that God gave the husband and the wife each a, an authority to operate in as best as they can, not trying to step over in each, in each other's pathways, but to come together as partners and make this thing work as a whole, if that made any sense. Oh, it does. And, you know, and that's something that I, that I worked on, you know, cause I'm a big mental health advocate. Um, I'm a big, you know, social media I'm everywhere. You know, I got podcasts, books, speaking. And um, about a couple months ago, you know, my wife broke down and she said, you know, you're so willing to help everybody else, but you're not willing to help the person sitting around at the kitchen table. And it really had an effect on me. And that's when I, you know, started to try to, you know, become the man, more of the man that she needs. And I think where a lot of that, as you're talking about, is that, you know, that communication. And I think, you know, a lot of people, I think especially guys, you know, we hear, but we don't listen. And there's a difference between hearing and active listening. You know, like sometimes my wife will be getting tired and she's like, uh, yesterday I, I forgot to do something. I forgot to shut the windows down and she got all upset. And I was like, damn, I messed up. 
I should have put, you know, put down the windows when, when she mentioned it. But, you know, so I think we have to, as men, you know, I can only speak for men. Um, we need to start doing a little bit more active listening and trying to um, be a blessing to our wives. You know, like I had an uncle, he was a multimillionaire, but he always told me that, you know, there's no such thing as a man's job and a woman's job in a home. It's a home. It's everybody's job. Right. A lot of guys kind of get twisted on that. So, you know, so I'm just throwing that out there, you know. <laughs> so, guys, you know, if you want to have it, they say happy wife, happy life. And, you know, I think it's so true because, you know, I found even in the business world, if the home life is happy, you know, 90% of your problems are solved if the home life is happy. But if the wife ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You know, so you do you t- when you you know because I'm sure you talk to to the you know the brides and the females and but you know guys have to do just as mer- much and sometimes more work to be able to you know act, have the act- active listening. What are your thoughts on active listening? So before I talk about that, I want to say just to the happy wife, happy life. I don't like to hear that. <laughs> I really don't because it it makes it seem like, okay, only the wife should be happy. But I like what I've been seeing lately is happy spouse, happy house. Oh, I like that. I like when, that. When either might, of them. You know, I might even just put that as a title of this show. <laughs> I might do that. Happy house, happy spouse, happy house. I like that. Yes. And it's because, so if, both spouses are taken care of, then the house operates different. It can't be only based upon the wives because it's the husband's marriage too. He's just as important as the wife and the wife is just as important as him. It shouldn't be, hey, I'm gonna make sure Teresa's happy or me saying, oh, I'm gonna make sure just Robert's happy and then I'm suffering or he's suffering to try and make me happy. I'm already happy. I'm happy because I'm just, I have that happiness on the inside. It comes from stuff that I work on. It comes from God for me. And so just with that, it has to be a matter of making the house operate differently Again, partnership, not just the wife. But when it comes to active listening, what I liked, what we learned in pre-premarital counseling back when it was mandatory in the military, I don't know, maybe just the Marines were doing that. But uh, it was mandatory to go to premarital counseling because of the reason you said everybody was getting married after like being in, in the service for like a month or two. And so it... For us, it was a lot longer, but they still made us go. So we went. And there's this thing called the speaker floor technique. I love it for several reasons. So basically, you use whatever. If you want to use a microphone because it's hilarious and it can, you know, de-stress the situation, then do that. But for us, we had a little magnet that had the speaker floor technique. And basically, who's ever holding the object is the one talking. The other person is listening, not listening to see what your defense is going to be. Listening. 
wholeheartedly open-minded, listening to hear your spouse pour out their heart. You're listening. And then the person who's speaking is the only person speaking. There will be no interruption from the other person because you're not holding the object, meaning you don't have the floor. And when that person is done speaking, they hand it off to the other person. That person is to, supposed to reiterate what the person has said to make sure they got it. You never speak unless you're given the floor. And so that is a tool that helps. And we've used that forever. And sometimes we forget and we have to go back to actually holding a thing to make sure we don't forget so we can be respectful of the other person that's talking and make sure we're listening. And then we're going to say is, so what I'm hearing you say is this. And then if it's wrong, you hand it back and they will clarify what they meant. And if it's right, you know, you still give them the object so they can say, yes, that's correct. That's exactly what I mean. So that's a good way of learning how to listen, actively listen, and not interrupt while the other person is talking. Because you can't active listen while you're interrupting. That's just not going to work. And, you know, and I love that. And I, and I think that, I think it's in all life, you know, because I think, you know, they say that God gives you two ears and one mouth for a reason. So you can right. listen twice as much as you talk. Um, so talk to us, you know, because there are people out there, you know, like when we first get married, you know, when we're first dating, you know, we all got dressed up. We did our hair. You know, we looked nice. We worked out. We were, you know, we were the best that we can be, you know, a couple of years later, you know, you gain 20 pounds. You don't do your hair anymore. You wake <laughs> up with bad breath, you know, and you realize, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. And so how do can people um, get back that that feeling again? Well, first of all, you have to realize when you get married, depending on what age you are, what season of life you're in, it's going to be different. Like I was 19 when I got married. So and so was my husband, honestly. No, he was 20 already. So, you know, we got married young and so, but for me, I was always kind of tomboyish. Like, I mean, just, just honestly, I was in JRTC, crawling in the mud, all that stuff didn't even phase me. Don't put a bug on me, but I'll get past it to do what I need to do. So, you know, he always knew that. And when I dressed up, I dressed up. I'm still kind of the same now, but I mean, since we're like kind of confined to the house a whole lot. I kind of just don't dress up, but I still get up. I still take a shower. I still moisturize my skin. I still pull my hair back. So I'm looking nice. I still do things to make sure my appearance is not trash. So I, but I want to feel good for myself. Cause I know my husband's going to love me no matter what, even if I'm looking busted and disgusted, my husband will still try to touch on me. I just know that about him. But I want to look good for myself. I think a lot of times when people are trying to, you can't see my air quotes, but mentor women um, about their appearance and stuff, they're saying they should want to look good for the, their husbands. Maybe they don't. You should want to look good for yourself. You should want to feel good for yourself. Because if you don't want to do that for yourself, you sure ain't going to want to do that for nobody else. And for the husbands too. 
because they always want to say the wives, uh, you know, their weight, their hair. Men, y'all should want to look good for yourselves, too. You should want to get your hair cut, braided, whatever, however your hair is. You should want to get your hair looking nice. You should want to brush your teeth. You should want to clean your skin and moisturize and put on nice clothes. Even if it's a T-shirt and jeans, you should want to look nice. That is something you should want for yourself. And when I am telling people about their appearance, because it's a part of it, you know, you want to feel good for yourself. You want to do this for yourself. Then you can do it for somebody else. If you're not willing to do things for yourself, it's going to be hard to keep up that, I guess, fakeness <laughs> of, of trying to do it for somebody else. You got to want that for yourself. So for me, I want to get up and get dressed because I, I personally feel a whole lot better when I do that for myself. So what kind of services do you offer and where can we find you and how can we get in touch with you? So I offer group coaching for military marriages, um, individual coaching, and I'm going to be launching a membership com coming up in like a few weeks. And I say a few weeks, but it's really like four weeks, you know, launching a membership where I go through and teach every month uh, how to have a thriving military marriage. And also I can be found on Instagram and Facebook and all those things. I'm even on Clubhouse, too, as Teresa with an H, Alexis Speaks. And on there, I'm just real engaged. I just give give um, tips on how to have a thriving military marriage, how to come together with your partner and how to have a great family life so that you can have a thriving career. Okay. Um, you know, last question that I ask everybody, well, I'm actually going to ask two questions because I, okay. there's certain people that I ask two questions at the end. Um, first is, you know, if we live in a crazy world right now, we're still in COVID um, I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Everything hasn't lifted yet. So, you know, we got grandparents that are homeschooling kids. We got parents that are driving Uber just to pay, pay to put food in their kids' mouths. So the average person is, has a crazy life. And if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're pretty much never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely so if somebody is struggling in their marriage, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get help? To start to get help? Honestly, if you, this is immediate help right here. If you need help right here, right now, stop everything, put your hands together and say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to save my marriage. I need you to save my sanity. I need you to help my family come together. Whatever your thing is, that's the first thing because that's immediate. And you have to believe what you're saying. So that is something some anybody can do right now. It won't even take 24 hours. You can do it while driving. Don't close your eyes though. Um, <laughs> so that's something that can happen right away. And that is always my go-to advice for people who want stuff just like that. Okay, so this leads me to the second question I was going to ask you. 
Um, Because I always ask this people that I know are, are of faith. You know, they say that if you do not feel close to God, you're the one that moved. Um, you know, he's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So if there's somebody out there that's struggling, they don't feel close to God and they don't feel that that love, that unconditional love, what is something they can do to get that uh, relationship with the Lord? Honestly, they can reach out to me. I don't mind. Um, you can find me. You can send me an email at Teresa at TeresaAlexis.com. Um, you can, like I said, you can find me on any of the social platforms, but you can get a Bible from pretty much anywhere almost and in your language too. So, you know, that's one thing and you can just pick it up and start reading, or you can read it online, just searching for what God says about those he loves. So uh. that's. I love it. Thank you so much for hanging out today. I truly appreciate you. Um, as people know on, on my show, uh, once I have you on my show is when the relationship just starts. So hopefully we'll be able to connect and maybe even work together, do some podcasts together um, to help veterans. Cause you know, we're still struggling with the veteran suicide rate. And a lot of it has to do with marriages, has to do with finances. Uh, alcohol has a lot of stuff. So I would love to collaborate in the future on a couple of different things if if you would be open to that. Absolutely. I'm always looking for ways to give back to those who are serving and their families. So, guys, you need to check it out. You need to check out what she's doing. I wish I would have known it 20 years ago. Um, so thank you so much for what you do. This will be going out in a couple of weeks and I'll tag you on everything and promote anything you want. This way we can get your name out there to help even more people. Awesome. And thank you for having me. All right. Well, God bless you and your husband and beautiful babies and have a happy weekend. You do the same. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.